You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings, America's number one sports book app. All right, Arizona wins 75 to 70. There is a ton to get to. Um, joined by John Schuster, William Brad Alice. Um, again, we'll talk about all the details, all the nuances. The first thing I'm going to say, though, is that you can just tell by watching Tennessee is a very good team. This is going to be a this is going to be a team that is going to be there at the end of the season. This is a nice win for the Cats, fellas. Of kind of a, it's interesting to see two teams with a uh, bit of a snippy rivalry that are about two thousand miles apart. In a bit of a different uh, conference, obviously, and all that. Although we never know exactly how those things are going to lay out, but two very competitive games. Tennessee fans are going to do a lot of officiating, complaining, just as Arizona fans uh, did last year. But uh, if I was to break down the good, of which obviously there is more than not, uh, Arizona's inside game. And Arizona's rebounding, I thought, were excellent, clearly excellent in this uh, matchup. And uh, that played a major role. One of the things I thought was also interesting here is that Arizona was able to win at Tennessee's pace. This is a game that was played at a half-court tempo almost all the way through. There was very little pressing. Uh, and and it was just a grinder. It was a possession-by-possession, half-court grinder. And those are the types of – this is very reminiscent of the game that Arizona played against Houston in the NCAA tournament that didn't go its way. Well uh, and put. Being, and being able to get a W in the type of game where a team relies on needing to go on a bunch of offensive runs, being able to win a game where that wasn't the case, uh, that was closely fought the whole way, is a very – uh, good sign. It may be frustrating to some degree, uh, you know, in that Arizona wasn't able to run or was unwilling to run or Tennessee's game plan was so good that they made sure uh, to limit that. Complaints, uh, I think a lot of Wildcat fans in the second half are going to be a little bit, pro- probably were a little bit on edge that Arizona just didn't try to pound it inside on every possession, uh, especially when Tennessee made its run. It was a really interesting game in that, obviously, the Carissa technical foul changed the whole complexion of everything. It really did. Uh, it really- uh, and, and, it was, and it was weird in the, it, the way that it looked to me, Arizona felt like it was in control of the entirety of the second half of that basketball game, and it was always a four-point lead, six-point lead. It kind of felt like, you know, if Tennessee just happens to hit a couple threes – This is going to be a pretty interesting ball game. And it got that way. Tennessee had possessions to take the lead, couldn't get it done. Arizona was better down the stretch and got a huge W. William? You know, maybe I'm crazy. I know. I think Tennessee's really good. I don't think they can win a national championship. They don't have enough dynamic scores. And their defense is great and their rebound. I don't think they can win six games in a row. Whereas I came away from this thinking Arizona was really close to making this a 20-point game. Um, I think if Creasa doesn't pick up the the T, Arizona probably probably rattles off several more buckets. Uh, that being said, this is the kind of team that can make Arizona mortal and steal games away in the NCAA tournament, as you just said, Houston can. But I really thought from about the eight minute mark of the first half, Arizona looked like the better team. Now for the first twelve minutes. And maybe a little longer, Tennessee looked like clearly the better team, but then they cooled off. And again, I don't think they have the scoring long term. And I think with Arizona's kind of, you know, spurt ability, um, but this was a huge win for Arizona, no doubt, especially because they were able to overcome not one, but two really big mistakes. Of course, the Crease uh, technical, and I'll, I'll admit it, 
I didn't know that was a technical, but it makes perfect sense. You just can't go to the baseline, even though that's where the NBA. And he just kept walking. It was kind of weird. Yeah. And yeah, no, and I think part of the problem is if we look at the modern NBA where the benches go so far, like guys are sitting there in the NBA. You can't do that in college. And well, I'm guessing I'm guessing what he was doing was trying to rally, uh, you know, rally the the fans. fans. It was probably chirping as well. A uh, second was the stepping over the end line on the on the inbounds pass. That's where, a huge play. That's a great call. And the fact mm-hmm. that Arizona was then able to make the stop there and not let it get down to a, a, a at that point a one possession game. Although I think they did get it down to three at one point. Um, so I think being able to overcome those two mistakes was uh, was huge. Uh, and the fact that you know Kerr could have let himself get down on that again. He can't be doing that. But the fact is he didn't then come in and, and, and force up bad shots or or make you know huge mistakes after that point. I think that was uh, sort of important as well. Um, but, you know, I think I came away feeling like the Arizona-Indiana game was a, a game that could be a sweet 16 matchup, and that's what right. I feel about this one. Um, again, these could be easily be a two and a three seed. I just came away feeling like Arizona – has more pieces um, and is more capable of making a deep run. Tennessee's really good, but at some point they're going to have to, and again, they almost did, but they almost got blown out the building, I think, too. And that's what I think was interesting. I don't think Arizona was ever in any danger of getting blown out because I just don't think Tennessee is – you know, well, Ziegler had to have a career night, and the other, the big guy had to have a career night. And he was great. Uh, Ziegler was outstanding. Fantastic. I, I think the difference if, uh, you, you know, in the way the two teams are made up, they're both – they, they both obviously have a lot of size. The difference is that Arizona's size has the ability to score, whereas Tennessee's size isn't really a, you know, fun- functional from an overall point standpoint. And that's the thing that I think worked against them. One of the things that worked against them in this game is that uh, Arizona, I think Arizona's defensive scouting report was really good play off the bigs. And, and, and that, and they were tall enough to make that work. They also did such a great job negating, what the volunteers need to do, and that is have second and third shot opportunities on the offensive end. Uh, when Arizona played off on the bigs and the bigs couldn't make, you know, uh, consistent buckets, Arizona's interior players who were more offensively skilled, uh, I think that was a little bit of the difference and uh, probably a lot, Brad, of what you saw. I think it's uh, – I, I, I agree with you. Uh, based on at least today's performance, Tennessee obviously is going to have to win uh, to advance in this tournament by grinding out some great defensive performances. Uh, and Arizona on the inside tonight was a little bit more advanced on the offensive end. All right. We're joined. You know it's a big game when we're able to bring the Mariano Rivera of the Tucson media, the closer, the ultimate, Mr. Anthony Gimino, coming in here with the new look. First of all, the beard is fantastic. It is a legitimate beard. It's not patchy at all. Anthony, Glad to see you. Let's talk about the beard. Let's talk about the game. Let's just talk about what you're thinking right now. Yeah, let, let's not talk about the beard. I don't think that's why people tuned in. And look <laughs> at Brad. Brad's, you know, look at that's a that's a legit man beard right there. But we're not gonna talk about the beard. What do you want to? I don't know what you guys started. We're, all right, talking. we talked about to me. This is the win, this is the win of the season for Arizona. Sure. Um uh, Brad, Brad thinks that this is, you know, kind of Tennessee feels like kind of a sweet 16 team to him. I think this is a team in Tennessee. It's probably going to be about a three or a four seed, something like that. This win to me is going to age very well though, because I don't see Tennessee going anywhere. What were your thoughts from this game? Yeah. I mean, this was, this was Arizona's poison. 
a team with size, um, age, um, length, and combined all that with a kind of pressure you can put on the ball that makes it difficult for Arizona to do what it wants to do, which is make those entry passes, make those high-low passes. So Tennessee had all the kryptonite for Arizona, and Arizona still found a way to overcome it, which I think is the biggest the biggest takeaway from this game, that they played one of those grinding big teams. And even when they didn't shoot it well from three, which we've seen now in a couple big games, they had enough to get it done and get the win. And, you know, there were, there were a couple points there where Tennessee twice got it to one after the trail by 10. You're thinking, yeah, you know, that things are going, going south for Arizona. And uh, but they found a way. Your guy Pella came through with that big bad. play. Right. All right, Anthony. Real quick, have I told you about the Four Peaks? You, I've I've seen you tweet about that. How, okay. But, but how? What does Shu and Brad think about that? Well, Shu came up with it, so I'm gonna. Oh, yes. I'm in favor of it. <laughs> All right. Well, here's the deal. Is Anthony the Tully or the Arn? I can't. <laughs> Sorry. A, a lot of people That's think the four, a lot of people think the Four Peaks is just the brewery in Tempe, and we're going to get to that in a second. But it is also Umar Ballo, Azulis Tabellis, Henry Vasar, and Dylan Anderson. But Four Peaks is the official brew of PHNX Sports. We'll get to that in a second. Um, and uh, they have all kinds of great stuff going on. Check out the brewery in Tempe. You can check out our away game watch parties uh, at Tap and Bottle. All kinds of good stuff right there. Great deals. Uh, enjoy responsibly. Twenty-one and up. Check out the show notes and the links in the detail or in the description. And more furniture. Morfurniture.com. All right. MOR Furniture has redone the entire PHNX studios. Looks fantastic. They got great deals. You got all kinds of good stuff right there. Check it out again. MORfurniture.com. Uh, fantastic furniture at great deals. MORfurniture.com. All right. One thing about this team, though, that's kind of been a hallmark of Tommy Lloyd's teams is that whenever they've been down or whenever games have been close, they generally have played pretty well. They generally have kind of risen to the moment here. You think back to how many games last year would Arizona be down like eight in the second half and they'd come back and win by 12. Um, you know, the Pac-12 championship game against UCLA, much the same. I mean, heck, TCU in the, uh, the round of 32. There definitely is a... There's a, a a perseverance, I guess. And does, does that come from Tommy Lloyd? Is this just a special group of guys? Is this just a team that's better than people? What do you think, Shu? Well, I guess when you're 42 and five, uh, you're probably going to win in a variety of different ways up to, <laughs> right. true, uh, true, up true. to this point. So uh, that helps. I there were there were elements, uh, and I uh, and and Brad Brad loves the bingo card thing, and I hate to beat Brad to the KC punch here, but uh, uh, it's comparison to Gonzaga time. And uh, one of the things that uh, the Zags and Mark Few like to do, Few does this much better at this point. I think his teams are a little bit more advanced in the recruiting process and what he wants to accomplish uh, than Arizona in terms of from a possession by possession standpoint. Uh, and, and it's kind of irritating, but it works really well. Uh, it's irritating because I don't think it's usually very effective at the college level, but Gonzaga does a nice job. They did this today. 
They're very good at running 25 seconds off the clock and then getting a bucket or getting to the line and making it difficult for uh, and and as a result of that, what it does is it's like you're putting on an and an anaconda around every second of the clock and you just milk that baby <laughs> all the way to the end. And uh, that that's one of when when Gonzaga gets up 10, you're usually not going to catch them because stopping them in five consecutive possessions is a problem. Uh Arizona seems a little bit more game to game uncertain at this stage. They don't it doesn't appear like even though they they were able to pull away, it doesn't necessarily appear that they have necessarily the guy on the roster that absolutely wants to or must take that shot. Crease is the closest. But even late in this matchup, it looked like a lot of their offensive possessions were uh, kind of uncomfortable. So what they ultimately should try to do, I think, is uh, just keep it simple. And that is pounded into Bal- uh, Balo, pounded into Tabellus, and try to get to the line by virtue of a of a free throw shot. The uh, the cut by Larson away from the basket was a huge play to get For to the sure. rack and get the three point play. That was obviously very helpful and a very designed play. But possession by possession by possession, late in games, it looks like you're not necessarily completely confident that Arizona is going to get a bucket at this stage. And hopefully as the season moves around, that's a, that's a maturation process. And again, it sounds odd given that they won a huge game. What is the clearly their marquee game in the non-conference and gutted it out against a team as Anthony noted, that has a lot of parts that uh, are difficult potential matchups for the U of A. And once they get to the tournament are probably going to be problematic as well. So there were clearly a lot more good things that came out of this matchup uh, than concerning things, but, even so, you try to get better along the way, and uh, this is one of those matchups where I think both teams, I don't want to say, uh, clearly they don't feel good about it, but they both feel like they could beat the opposition if there was another rematch. And you're looking at, uh, I don't remember which one one of you made, made the comparison about, you know, like this was a two or three seed type matchup in the Sweet 16. That's probably not terribly far off. And based on their resume right now, Arizona's got a chance at a number one seed if things go well. So that's uh, certainly and and the advantage of, again, staying in the West. So there's obviously still a lot to play for here. And this is a game that helped them out a great deal. I got to give the crowd a lot of credit, too. This was kind of a vintage throwback McHale crowd. Now, granted, I generally stay until about the under 12 timeout, then I jet home. But this the crowd really, really was good here after about the first seven or eight minute mark. And it felt very much kind of like that, you know, like like I grew up watching in McHale. Um, Brad, do you expect this team to be in the top five then in the rankings, getting a lot of those questions on the right uh, coming up next week? I think if the voters are stayed up late enough and paid attention, they certainly should be. I mean, Arizona is uh, the only team in the country, I think, to beat four ranked teams so far. They are whatever they are in one. Um, but it's the the polls coming out on, what, December 19th? Right. Um, who, who cares, um, to be honest? I care. Because right now, if we're doing a bracketology, they're, they're, they're most likely a one seed. Um you know, despite all the other undefeated teams, because Arizona has the again the resume with four ranked teams and have looked really impressive. Um, but do I think they're one of the top five or six teams in the country? Yes. Do I think they'll be ranked there? I don't know. Game was on ESPN two. Um, you know, should have probably been on ESPN, but we had to watch a bowl game um, between 
teams. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you had to get that bowl game in there right there. That's because Anthony Jamino, they know that he works for Lindy's and that he's a senior editor. And they said, you know what, what would make Anthony Jamino's viewing experience the easiest? And that's what they did. Yeah. Meanwhile, I was flipping between the, the U of A game, trying to watch Buffalo choke yeah. away the uh, bye and keeping an eye on the Suns somehow coming back on the, on the Pelicans, even though the Pelicans GM was at McHale. Just saying. All right. Uh, Anthony, what do you, you, uh, from afar, what do you, uh, just watching this team this year vis-a-vis last year, what do you see, you know, what has surprised you? What sticks out for you? What stick, what stick stuck at, what stuck out for you this game? Well, I think, uh, kind of piggybacking a little bit on what she was talking about. We, we know Arizona's got the best offensive duo, interior duo in the country. Nobody's been able to stop them, no matter if you're if you're those small, pesky guys or you're the bigger, bigger physical guys like Tennessee had tonight. And on occasion, I mean, Arizona's not a bad three-point shooting team, but we've seen them go four for 28 in a loss. We saw them go five for 24 today. So the constant is that inside game. But sometimes it's hard to feed those guys. Right. So when you're not shooting threes, where do you go? There's that third part that I think that's kind of missing on this team. And that's you get a guy clearing out on the side. He can take anybody one-on-one off the dribble. This team doesn't have that. And sometimes, There isn't a Ben Matherin is what you're saying. Exactly. This team kind of needs Ben Matherin, but every team needs Ben Matherin. But they need somebody like him. And yeah. I think that could end up being, you know, when when these games, these big games against good teams, good defensive teams, it starts to slow down, it starts to grind. Where are you going to get those easier points? Because Tennessee, you know, they they made it difficult on several occasions, even though Tabalos and, and Balo got, got their points, they got their rebounds. But that kind of worries me a little bit is that, you know, when you – when you combine the right a hall, who's have, that guy? Yeah, when you have that poor shooting night, then where are you going to go? And I think one of the things we've seen is that it will, based on this game, it will grind to a halt. There's Arizona is going to find a half court game in the NCAA tournament, possibly more than one half court game in the NCAA tournament. That's what this game was. It was it, it was there was no almost no transition there, and and it was very Tennessee did an excellent job maintaining uh, the pace of this matchup. And Arizona won playing Tennessee's pace. Right. Uh, and the Cats still scored 75 tonight, which is, you know, a nice number against an excellent defensive team. But beyond what happened in McHale, which is a big deal and good news for Arizona, this was a great day for college basketball as no well. No joke, man. And I was th- going to get to that, but go ahead, yeah. And I think one of the things we saw here, I mean, Kansas looked impressive, Uh Gonzaga on the road was impressive, although I think they're a step behind. Uh, UConn played a lesser team today, but appears to be the real deal. Houston won at Virginia. Uh, what the what Bruins? I think, yeah, and 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 a lot of the commenters and Anthony, thanks for bringing them up. Uh, yeah, UCLA wins at Kentucky. Uh, mm-hmm. There, there was there are what we're seeing, and uh, one of the announcers on ESPN too. Uh, brought this up as well is that uh, you're you're in a year where there's a lot of good teams and a right. lot of teams that it appears that have an opportunity to make deep runs and win this thing legitimately and right now it appears that Arizona is very much legitimately in that conversation 
are there things that Arizona struggles against? Yes, ten- and Tennessee has a lot of them. Are they going to struggle against Houston's rebounding? Perhaps. But Arizona does bring something to the table that is clearly a problem for a lot of other teams facing them, and that's Tabellus and Ballo. And and if you can have that force in there, it's different. It's tough to deal with, and it gives you an opportunity to move through. Yeah, and that's the one thing, too, that that travels. I mean, we've seen great Arizona teams in the past that, you know, I mean, heck, you look at 97-98, for example. You got that great uh, perimeter quartet, and the shots weren't falling, and, you know, they struggled. When you've got two big men that can dominate the way that these guys can on a game-by-game basis, you're not relying on just three-point shooters. You're not relying on perimeter players. And I think that's kind of what's been able to get this team through is that every single game, it seems, that you can basically count on 35 and 18 from the two peaks right there, William. Yeah, and I think the other thing that benefits Arizona is with the exception of three-point shooting – they kind of do everything else good. Uh, you know, obviously they're great on the inside, but they're a good defensive team. They're not an elite defensive team. Um, they rebound well. They, uh, you know, they more often than not, although it is, it's a little bit, you know, they take care of the ball. Um, right. There are stretches where they don't. So I think they can win in a variety of ways. I think the only, you know, the big fear is maybe someone tries to go zone. You can't dump it down inside and you got to rely on the three. Now I think, they can get hot for stretches, but overall, this is probably a team that's going to, and I don't know what the current numbers are, but it feels like a team that's probably going to shoot 35, 36% from behind the arc. Yeah. Um, especially when they play more legit teams. So unless they get into some kind of weird three point shot, they can do everything well enough. I think to play a variety of styles, which will keep them in games or let them you know blow some teams away because again, they can transition you know, they can get out on the run they can dump it down. They can, you know, they can get multiple uh, possessions with the on the offensive glass. Um, they can block shots. So I think they're very versatile, which which will help them. Um, you know, the, the the I think the, again they can win a rock fight. They can win a, a race. Um, let's just hope they don't have to get into one of those games where they're down so much they have to rely on that outside shooting to shoot their way back in. Cause I'm not sure. And you know, it is a concern. They don't have a wing who can score when your best slasher is your six eleven power forward, not ideal. <laughs> but um, other than that, again, they do a lot of things well. And I think that's important. Anthony, if I told you about the DraftKings Sportsbook app code word PHNX, I'd love to hear more. <laughs> okay. Thanks for asking. Here's the deal. So you can put down five bucks on an NBA game and you can get, in free plays if that team wins. Just money line. That simple, that easy. Now, I've been saying uh, pick the Suns against um, any bad team and go ahead and get that free money. Well, granted, the Suns uh, have been struggling of late, getting blown out by the Rockets twice. Shoe did the same thing to the Pistons last year, turning them into a good team. So don't take what I have to say for it. But check it out, though. The DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. Check out the show link in the description. And um, again, lots of good stuff. Then you can do all kinds. You got in-game betting. You got uh, you got live, all kinds of stuff. Check it out. Check the link in the description. 21 and up. Arizona only. Enjoy responsibly, though, as well. And I don't take my word for it. I like the Suns to get the 200, but they did win tonight, though, so you would have got money off that. But the Pelicans are a good team. I am done now going with that. Let's talk about the perimeter. Let's talk about Kirk Kreese. Um, 
he's always kind of been a little bit of a lightning rod here. We know that because, you know, he plays with his emotions. This was, this almost came back to bite him though, AG. I mean, and that should have been called a technical. I mean, I hate to say it, but he walked onto the court. He walked halfway down the, uh, you know, the baseline. You can't do that. Does his, do his antics worry you at all? Yeah, he can antics, maybe just, let's just call it emotions. Which, which you love, you love to see it, especially if he's on your team, but he can sometimes kind of be ruled by his emotions. Um, so was that, is that how we understood the call that he walked that baseline and that was the reason for the technical? That's that my was, understanding. That's that they, was my understanding as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, that's just kind of stupid. I kind of feel the same way. Yeah. But I mean, you know what? He also, I will uh, say uh, this. Go ahead, Brett. Over now, he didn't step on the court. Yeah, yeah, but, but even that I mean, was on the court too. That's exactly yeah, the point that I was going to make. Yeah. Uh, so that's so, my so only I explanation. Think, so I think Hazard even said he walked the baseline all the time. My understanding is that there is some sort of rule in the books that they all know about, and therefore it's one of those things that you just sort of automatically call, I guess. One of the things that looked bad, I think, that didn't help Crease in that situation is that the trainer came over to try to pull him back to the bench, and that brought more mm. attention to it, and then it almost, at least in the official's opinion, forced the official to make the call, and and certainly it was a huge momentum change that gave Tennessee an opportunity that looked like it was about to slip away. Yeah, well, the, the good news is Crease is never going to do that again. Yeah, I think that you probably got that out of your system at this point. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I think he's a love him, hate him kind of guy, right? Um, there's, we know it can get hot. We know we can go three games without hitting a shot from behind the arc, too. You know what I like tonight? I think you just have to live yeah. with it. Yeah, and, and and there were two examples here that have been um, Crease's emotion I don't give a crap. Uh, generally speaking, you deal with and you go on from there and he's, uh, you know, somebody who the uh, crowd loves and very often he's going to do two things. Two of the themes that uh, were brought up against Arizona last year is can Creasa defend on the perimeter and how tough is Tabellus? And those two things were a big deal in Arizona matchups against TCU and ultimately their elimination against Houston. Mm -hmm. Both of those things were answered in a much more positive way than perhaps we anticipated. Creasa yeah. defensively held up pretty well tonight uh, in a, against a team that was going to be as physical as possible against them. Because Tennessee thought going in, we abused this guy last year. We're just going to do that this time around, too. You know that was on the scouting report. And you knew they were going to try to push Tabellus around. And Tabellus looked like a completely different player. I think you he's can look that way. All, he, he, well, sorry to interrupt you, but he's looked that way pretty much all season. I mean, he has been against the best teams. He's been aggressive. He's been, you know, he's he's taken it to the other team. And, you know, he doesn't always make it. But there hasn't been any shying away like there was at the end of last season where you could just tell that he wasn't there. Whatever he has done mentally, he looks like a different player. I mean, I don't want to say a different player because he was all Pac-12 player last year. But he's so but much more improved. He looks so much more improved. Things just It looks like he's in control of the game, if that makes any sense. It does. And uh, well, I think you can favorably argue he was the best player on the floor tonight. And this was, again, one of those very legitimately difficult matchups where last year it may have been a problem. And this year it was not. And there were times in this game in the first half where he kept Arizona in it. Remember, there was a part, Arizona was down seven mm -hmm. at one point in this game, and it was 
kind of looking like, and I think Brad alluded to this a little bit in passing, it looked like this was in a little bit of danger of Arizona wasn't going to be able to get good looks. Tennessee was going to kind of grind it out. It was playing at their possession. It wasn't going to, if Arizona started to lose contact a little bit there, the ability to get back into it, you know, might've been a little bit more difficult. And in a stretch where they were down seven, I think it was 37, 30 to Bellis was a big deal in that sequence that got them back into the game. And basically even at the half. I mean, just look at his numbers, 7 of 11, 9 rebounds, um, plus minus of plus 8, second best on the team, um, 5 of 6, I think, from the line. I mean, it was, yeah, it was a big-time performance. And, uh, you know, credit him and Tommy Lloyd. They had that matchup where they had the um, the big guy who couldn't just couldn't keep up with him, and he just kept going to the hoop. Um, and he made, you know, he made those bunnies that, you know, last year when he was in his slump, he wasn't making some of those layups. So credit. Well, think, you know, yeah, that's a great credit point. them for going back to that over and over and over. And he either got the bucket or got the foul and they had to pull the kid off him. Well, think back to last year, AG, like where it looked, especially in the tournament where he was, it, it looked like he was preying on layups. That yeah. hasn't happened this year. And there's a, there was a lot of, there were at least, you know, multiple cases tonight where I know our buddy uh, Calvin Ephon would say, you know, sometimes the best play is just get the ball up on the rim. Right. When you're Balo, when you're too Bellis and you're inside, you've got a great chance to score. And even if you don't, it's going to come off the rim really soft right by right by the basket. And you're the biggest, strongest, toughest players on the court. Right. So you have a great chance of getting, your, of getting that rebound and putting it back in, which we saw on multiple occasions tonight. And and that's why, you know, that's why the turnovers for Arizona can sometimes be just really frustrating. Cause you know, even if they just get a shot up. Now you got you got thirty five forty percent chance of grabbing that rebound and scoring. Right No. so does it worry you guys at all about the bench? It's funny because the other game, uh, Arizona had fifty one points off the bench, no points today. Um, but I kind of chalked that up to the guys on the bench are coming off the bench for a reason, and that's no offense to them. But you're going to be, you know, some games you get something from a Dama ball that really probably wasn't his game today. I thought Boswell looked fine. Um, Henderson was Henderson's a guy that I expect to score in each game. So if he didn't do it there, uh, Vasar is, you know, what he does at this point. But does that does that worry you at all, guys? To me, oh. the only worry was with the exception of Boswell, they all had really bad plus minuses. And I know that's a flawed stat, but um, you know, when I think yeah, you know, each and every one of them was like minus seven except for Boswell uh, or worse, that's a little bit of a concern. But no, they've been so good all year. Um and tonight, they, you know, you rode the hot hands. And for the most part, with the other exception of Creasa, all four, you know, the four other starters were in double figures. Creasa only had eight. And, you know, he was also, I think, five and two assist turnover. So uh, would you like to have seen more bench scoring? Of course you would. But if this happens once in a great while, not that big a deal. Yeah, I mean, in, in your regular run-of-the-mill game, Arizona goes eight and a half, nine deep comfortably. Right. In this kind of NCAA tournament sweet 16 game. It's yeah, like that's a great point. Yeah, for sure. Team. And you just hope for four first half minutes from a guy like Boswell, four in you know, four in each half. You want you want them to give you four minutes in each half. Vasar and Boswell and guys like that. But basically it's the starters and you hope uh I don't think Henderson's too far behind. Like say like Brad said, he wasn't particularly good uh tonight um, especially on the offensive end but that's the way it is and that's 
to me, it's a, one of the surprising things or things I wouldn't have said I, I could have known before the season. Could um, could Umar Balo play 30 minutes a game? Right. We had now no, you can't take him out. We had no evidence of that. But right. yes, he can. He can maintain a very high level, basically doubling his minutes from last year. We knew he was great in 15 minutes a game, but is that because he was fresh and could just go all out? No, he's got himself in a position where his body is able to go strong and hard for 30 minutes of a physical basketball game and play at a very high level. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Let's talk a little bit about Pella Larson. He's been beat up a little bit by me, my bad Pella, um, but – he was big. He was big at the end of the game. He had the uh, he had the little uh, he had the and one. He had the um, play where he went baseline and uh, made it as well. And those were both where Tennessee had the game within one. Where if you know Tennessee comes down, it could be a totally different game. You know, I think at this stage in the game, obviously Tabellis, Ballo, you could even argue Ramey are probably maybe a little bit more focal points of the team. But he was big here, and I think he reminded some people about why there were such high expectations for him coming into this season. I love everything the Arizona Wildcat version of Pella Larson does. Part of me misses the Utah Pella Larson, (laughs) the one who could shoot the three. What is the theory behind where his three-point shot is? And he shot 44%. Yeah, but at Utah as a freshman, now he's right. like shooting twenty five percent, and and I don't get a good feeling whenever he he launches one either. No, it looks like a prayer. It looks like it doesn't look like there's a confidence to it. Like Kirk Carissa, when he doesn't make his shot, okay, but it looks like it's gonna. It looks like he expects it to go in. With with Larson, it's kind of a gonna toss it up there and. Yeah. Hope it goes in. It's weird. I, don't, I, I really don't know. I, we still have a little bit of a small sample sizes here, but um, you know, last year he certainly didn't shoot it as well as he did as a freshman at Utah, and and now it's fallen off again. Small consideration right now because he does everything else, right? He gets you the um, he can play one through four. He rebounds great for his size, right? And allows you to you know allows uh, Tommy Lloyd to use him as a, as the four when you got to give. Uh, to Bellis or Balo a break. Um, you can put him in with Faisar as well. Um, you know, he assists. He can handle it. But, yeah, the shooting puzzles me because that's the thing I was looking forward to most when he decided to transfer. All right, he did a couple things right. that um, – uh, and and obviously he hit uh, two or three big shots tonight. The runner where he uh, got – caught up in the air, wanted to pass it inside. It was covered and then uh, made the floater from about 12 feet. That was a big bucket. Cutting to the basket uh, and getting the three-pointer late in the game uh, was instrumental. He did a lot of the little things as well. But there were, you know, and this is nitpicking, but I guess it's what folks do to some degree. Uh, you guys talked earlier about him stepping in and out of bounds. That's That looked like a vapor lock play to me that you can't have. And the other one that annoyed me was one of those moments where Arizona had an opportunity to separate just a little bit and there was a loose ball and he kind of stood there flat-footed and watched yeah. the play. Right. And Tennessee got to the loose ball and got an extra possession there as a result. So it seems like sometimes, you know, there, there, there were a lot of other things that Larson could have done. If you're not going to go for the ball because you think Tennessee can get there, then you better find somebody to pick up in the process. Just don't stand there. 
And occasionally it feels <laughs> sure. like it, occasionally it feels like Larson goes into uh, watching the game mode as opposed to participating in the game mode. And when he when he just is more consistently there, I think it helps. What I'm hopeful for from an outside shooting standpoint is that as the season moves along, he improves as we get into January and February, as he did last year. Now, the reasons for his improvement last year had a lot to do with uh, his nagging injury and getting over that, and then aiding Arizona as the year moved along. Hopefully, we'll see a different variation of that, but ultimately the same result where he can become the kind of consistent player that helps Arizona out a lot, including being a guy who you have to stay on, honestly, from three-point range. Shoot, that play, I remember that play, and I, at first I thought the same thing you did, that he was just not paying attention and let the guy kind of grab it. And then Tommy started yelling and I thought he was screaming at Pella. He was screaming at the ref. Pella was looking for the foul. And that's not an excuse. You have to go for that ball, but that's what happened there. I think more than vapor lock or whatever. I think he was looking for the foul, but in that play, you don't get the whistle. Go get the ball again. (laughs) Uh, Because I was like, Tommy is mad at Pella. No, Tommy's mad at the official. Or Tommy is mad at Pella and he's taking it out on the official because Tommy doesn't. But that play, I remember because I remember that exact play. Yeah, he just stood straight up, just kind of looked towards nowhere. And the Tennessee guy got the ball and got out kind of on the break um, as much as Tennessee gets out on the break. Let's look ahead on the schedule a little bit. But, Anthony, another read that I get to tell you about now, game time. All right. Let's just say – Anthony, you're you're a man. You or you're a man. You like <laughs> look at that beard. <laughs> I was going to say, Anthony, you've come in here and we've confirmed that you're a man. Um, but let's just Breaking say, news. let's just say that you're saying to yourself, you know what? I'd like to take my lovely wife to a game or to an event. You guys like going to events. I see you on Facebook, and you say, "Darn it! Last second, don't know where to get tickets. Have no clue where to go." That's where game time comes in. Game Time specializes in getting you tickets to all kinds of different events, sports, theater, you name it, and sometimes it's 60% off. So again, let's just say that you're like, I want to go flex my beard around town a little bit, but I don't know where to. That's where Game Time would help you find all the decisions many times cheaper. So again, check it out. Uh, The show notes in the description. Um, Best way to support PHNX is by buying your tickets through the link in the description, game time. All right. Never Did, thought I would. You, you think you're telling me something new and like you're breaking news to me? I've already got that downloaded on my iPad. So, you know, I could have told you about that. You have game time? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. See, that's the thing. That's why we have to bring the Don out of retirement from time to time because he always <laughs> keeps you on your heels a little bit. All right. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'll try to introduce you to some new advertiser too. I appreciate that. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but Arizona ASU now is now shaping up to be a kind of a showdown here on New Year's uh, on, on New Year's Eve up in Tempe. ASU has played really, really good basketball, unfortunately. And if you watch them, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they're ranked by the time that Arizona goes up there. That's a heck of an interesting way to start. Um, well, again, I know Arizona's played, but that's an interesting way to start the uh the start of the new year or the eve of the new year there, John Schuster. Uh, I, I don't, I, I, you know, I know a lot of people out there like the idea of ASU being zero and whatever, but the conference is better and the rivalries are better if ASU can actually be competitive on occasion. And this looks like one of those teams that has an opportunity to be that way that probably ought to be ranked. Uh, and, and those atmospheres when 
when ASU on those rare occasions is able to believe that it's competitive and maybe have the personnel to make things interesting, make those environments in Tempe great. Uh, so that is an opportunity to be a heck of a party on New Year's Eve uh, in, in, in the Valley. And uh, it's, a, it's a very good test for Arizona. What you're hoping for now, and I think the conference has enough teams that are okay, is uh-huh. that, you know, once Arizona gets into conference play, you know, on a regular basis, that it's going to have uh, more than just UCLA out there. And that's that's been kind of one of the uh, jokes I've seen sort of underneath in the comments section, that really it's Arizona and UCLA and boredom. Is it? I don't know. Utah right. looked pretty good in Salt Lake. I think Oregon's, even though Oregon, as usual, can't figure itself out in November and December, more often than not, when you get about six weeks from now, Oregon knows what it wants to do. There's talent and physicality on that roster. SC looks pretty good. And, you know, ASU, like you said, playing good basketball. I, I do not think this is necessarily a walk-in-the-park conference, and that hopefully is good news from a competitive standpoint from the Cats as they – don't get lackluster as this thing moves along and try to have to rebuild and, you know, push things up again once we uh, get into the tournament. And maybe because Arizona's in a position where they they have a lot to play for from a seeding standpoint, that there's uh, an opportunity to remain focused throughout the course of most of the regular year. And right, hey, it's go- an important game I mean, real quick. Arizona can't go one and two in the conference. <laughs> and ASU has a Great chance point. to go three and O oh and get... Yeah really their third quality win, maybe fourth if you count VCU. Um, so it's an important game for ASU to stake claim to a, a seed and really put themselves in a nice position in the conference. And conversely, yeah, if Arizona goes one and two, I mean, you know, how weird is that? You can you can beat all these ranked teams, but you can't beat ASU and, and uh, Utah. So I think it's a, a much more important game for both teams uh, than maybe it would have been even if Arizona had beaten Utah. Jacob, can we go to buy the numbers here? I'm sure you got some pretty good stuff lined up right here on buy the numbers. Let's see what we got right here. All right. Um, wow, those are actually, I mean, those are fairly fairly similar numbers. I think the one that probably really stands out, though, will be the disparity in free throws. Um, I think that well, pretty much- <laughs> you you know that's standing out as far as Tennessee fans are concerned. Yeah, but you know what? I don't feel bad at all because last year it happened the same thing in Knoxville. It just it just kind of is what it is. These numbers right here are you know are fairly similar, but Arizona got a lot more free throws. You can chalk it up to home cooking, whatever you want, but that's that's kind of what happened right there. Any any thoughts on these numbers, fellas? Uh, thirty nine to thirty from a rebounding standpoint. Yeah. That's an excellent number for the U of A. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I, I was um, I can confirm everything you're saying about Tennessee fans, Mike, uh, because I was texting with a co-worker who's from Tennessee during the game. Um, so I, I appreciate him now owing me a six pack of beer. My God, from the start, you know, that first technical foul he thought was like the weakest technical foul ever. Um, so, yeah, oh, was, I thought that was obvious obvious. myself. You can't get yeah, his face is this twice. Any, yeah, and it was prolonged. It wasn't just his first reaction after the basket. He kept going back in for more. Um, but, oh, yeah, Tennessee fans totally thought that McHale had uh, bought and sold the refs. And it's like, you know, this was a pretty good crew, right? Uh, this is a national-level crew. And, uh, you know, I basically told him his bigs need to be more physical on the offensive end and get, get some fouls. 
I think that's I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I think that's the difference. Uh, if you delve into those numbers a little bit more, just to guess, not seeing them, you know, the specific individual numbers in front mm -hmm. of me. One of the things we talked about earlier in this podcast is that the difference between Arizona's bigs and Tennessee's bigs is that Arizona's more advanced offensively. Well, if you're more advanced offensively, you have an opportunity to get get to the line as well. And I think that was probably where a lot of the disparity took place. Yeah. So, I mean, Tubella took six, Paulo took seven. And then Larson was great because, you know, he was uh, always fouled basically when he was inside in the paint. He, he took nine. He went nine of nine. Right. So, For sure. Yeah, that was the uh, difference. Now, let me tell you about Tap and Bottle. All three of these gentlemen have been to the Tap and Bottle watch parties. Now, it does help when Uncle Kev makes his triumphant return to Tucson that lures Anthony out. But I, it's a great time to go. Brad's been there. Shoe's been there. Um we're going to be – we'll have a schedule out here shortly for the away game watch parties. Might have one for Arizona ASU. We'll be uh, we'll be certainly keeping you up to date on that. But, again, Tap and Bottle downtown. They also have Four Peaks Brew down there as well, Mountain Mike's Pizza. But, again, we'll keep you up to date on Tap and Bottle. All right, guys. First of all, awesome, awesome engagement here. Appreciate all of you. Up to 187 lives right now. Very, very good. Very impressive, fellas. But, you know, let's just kind of wrap this one up right here. Sean Schuster, what did you think? And then we'll go in order, and we're going to finish with the great Anthony Gimino. Well, it's obviously a very nice win for Arizona. And uh, the fact that Arizona was able to win in roughly a half-court game at Tennessee's pace, and that Arizona didn't do anything to try to change the pace and still got a W in this matchup, I think, uh, uh, is very important. And when you come across games like this in the tournament, I think by virtue of this performance, you know, I don't know if Arizona's going to get the W every time, but uh, you feel a little bit more confident about what it was that Arizona might be able to do as opposed to the uncertainty that uh, came to the equation last year. William? Yeah, good win against a good team. Um, and I think Arizona looked you know, every bit of a, of a, of a top 10. Oh, wait, do we have to talk about them being a top 12 team in week six poll? Oh my God. Did they drill <laughs> oh, that one? This is the uh, kind of stuff that I love. Ludicrous, ludicrous stat that was. And if I have to hear any more about the red tape on the backboard, how brilliant that I can't believe Tommy Lloyd's the first guy to put tape on the backboard to show you where to bank your shot in on a, on a drive. <laughs> but no, it's, it's a big win. Tennessee's really good. And then while like, I kind of poo pooed their chances to win six in a row in March, I could certainly see him winning three or four in a row in March, and that's the kind of team you have to beat in March. As we saw, Arizona could not beat a very similar team last year. So I think this is a huge win. It's a huge win for seeding. It's a huge win for confidence. Um, so, yeah, all, all, all told, really impressed with it. And, and congratulations to Mikhail for showing out. Um, you know, I, I haven't been as critical as some with Mikhail because they, they you know, they're, they're still – trying to get over the Sean Miller scheduling that kind of makes it tough to, to go out and, you know, I mean, where they have Morgan state and Montana state next week, but you know, with two very important young men in town as well, um, not to mention some football players in town trying to pick a school, several of which picked Arizona, you know, having all 14,000 and doing the stripe out and, and all that, uh, that's, that's important for the program, both on television and in person. Anthony. Well, you know, Brad just mentioned uh, mentioned that particular name, Sean Miller, uh, right there. And so, uh, you know, I was talking to our buddy Steve Rivera and Jay Gonzalez this week, and they asked me about Miller and the whole uh, uh, the whole thing that came down this week. And my reaction was basically, well, who cares? Who cares anymore? 
Um, I don't care what Sean Miller does anymore. Uh, Mike, you've heard me talk a lot about um, for coaches, it's time and place. You know, 10, 12 years ago, Arizona. You ridiculed to- me with David Shaw with that one. And you That's were right. right. I was wrong. Yeah, well, yeah, but you're right. You know, sometimes you lose it, right? Um, you know, 10, 12 years ago, Arizona was the right time and place for Sean Miller. And even though he was found with no wrongdoing, no penalties, sure, I'm glad he's not the coach at Arizona because it wasn't, it was no longer his time and place here. It's Tommy Lloyd's time and place. So I think uh, for me, who's a little bit more reserved from this whole day to day stuff, if I can just kick back and watch and enjoy, then I think that's what Tucson is doing. And Anthony, what do you think of Tommy Lloyd? What do you think about the name that has really taken off? Matt Muehlbach mentioned it twice on air last week, the Swedish pinball for when John Schuster came up with that. I've run with it, but John Schuster is the word. So what you're saying, like every nickname you push on Twitter is Schuster's. I don't want to say everyone. I tried pushing one out there the other day. The new, uh, uh, there's their new zoo right here. Good job, Shoe. It is the perfect way for him to cover because if it takes off, then you know, well, look at that. That 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 was stupendous twittering. If it completely bombs, well, that was Schuster's name. Yeah, well, I asked Tommy Lloyd about uh, what he thought about the nickname the Tommy Gun, which I have nothing to do with. Knew you had nothing to do with that, and I couldn't blame anybody on it either. It didn't take off. It did not take off, and his reaction was, "I don't really like it." And I'm like, "All right, I tried, Coach." I, I don't know. But- I mean, if if uh, if you if Mulebach is backing the Swedish pinball, <laughs> I guess I I'll live with it, dude. That's all. I'll, I'm gonna live with it. All right, guys, first of all, everybody out there really, really appreciate everybody. This was an awesome post-game show. John Schuster, Brad Alice, as always, very much appreciate you. Anthony, it was great seeing you, and you know that you have an open invite anytime you want to be annoyed by me at the 1130 time at night. (laughs) But. Thanks. Again, on a, ser- on, a, on a serious note, appreciate everybody. Uh, appreciate all of you guys out there. And, uh, you you make you make the show. Nice. Hey, Rich, it, it, was, it was it was it was Murdoch, not Forbes. Murdoch dropped. Yeah, it was Forbes Eric Murdoch. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, but I was there too. It was awful. And 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 as always, our good friend Jacob Franklin. I gave you a little bit of ASU love, Jake. Nothing. None of this happens without Jacob Franklin, the tallest man outside of Brody Dryden in all of Arizona at six foot, coming in at six foot eight. But uh, enough needless information. Appreciate all of you. Back the A. Big win for the Cats. I'll be back tomorrow with your podcast, and we'll be back with you on the post game show Tuesday. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.